you're not bidding on your own terms and a competitor is bidding on your brand, they will have their listing above your organic listing. Right now, I think on Google, if there are ads, and even for some listings that there's no ads for them, listings come after the Google reach results. And if there are ads, if there are competitors bidding on your terms and you're not bidding, it's up to how many competitors there are. If there's four competitors bidding on your terms, you come up under default. People are gonna have to scroll quite a bit. And there are people that don't like clicking on ads, so they will scroll and they will go to your organic listing, but that's not the majority of people. This podcast is sponsored by Klaviyo, the email and text marketing platform that puts D2C brands in control. If you're the leader of a D2C brand, you need a platform that hustles as hard as you do. Klaviyo unlocks the power of your e-commerce data so you can personalize and automate messages that keep customers coming back. D2C brands communicate with Klaviyo. Start for free at klaviyo.com DTC. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot DTC. Welcome to All Killer No Filler. It is Thursday. It's Eric. And I've got Saul Garcia on the podcast, the head of Pilot House's Google Ads division. And we're ta- we want to start off the top with a topic that has come up recently in some conversations with prospective clients. It's an area we want to keep hammering on. Saul, what is this personal uh, you know, topic you want to bring to the table? Yeah, so we've been asked quite a bit lately why either, you know, why are we creating campaign structures that include uh, bidding on, on, on the on the client's uh, branded terms, or why when we propose to a client, we always propose or say that they should be bidding on their branded terms. So the first thing is, well, I'm, I, I rank first on Google for my brand, so why should I spend any money on that, right? That's free, I shouldn't spend anything. Um, there's a bunch of reasons on the, oh, 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 because, um, that, that you should do it, but the, the first one, uh, and I think that the, the one that comes to mind right away is uh, someone that has a lot of competitors in the same in the same area, and there's no agreement between competitors um, to not be in each other's terms. Um, so the first thing is just you you want to protect your brand. Um, it makes me think of that kids game where you just you want to have your hand the last hand to be on the top wins, and when you're scrolling on that page, your competitor technically can have their ad on top of your organic listing, yep. uh, and that's a that's a problem. A hundred percent. If you're not bidding on on your own terms, and a competitor is bidding on your brand, they will have their listing above your organic listing. Right now, I think on Google, if there are ads, uh, and even for some listings that there's no ads for them. Uh, Listings come after the Google reach results, uh, so either maps or, or informational pages, and then the actual you know listings come. Um, and if there are ads, if there are competitors bidding on your terms and you're not bidding, it, it's up to how many competitors there are. If there's four competitors bidding on your terms, you come up under default. So your organic listing is just gonna people are gonna have to scroll quite a bit, and there are people that. As users, they don't like clicking on ads, so they will scroll and they will go to your organic listing, but that's not the majority of people. So that's the number one. And that's good because you actually won't lose them likely, right? Because they're not going to click on your ad anyway. They're probably, they'll check, they'll note that your ad is there, but they'll still probably go down to that organic listing. You won't lose yeah, that. And, if and you, you won't be charged for it. Exactly. And then the other thing is, if you actually bid on your organic terms, when there are competitors bidding on your terms, you will make it more expensive for them. If you're not in the auction, um, even though it will be a little pricey for them because their quality score is not going to be as good just because they can't put your 
trademarks on their titles or the descriptions. So that's going to make their ad relevance score a little uh, lower. Um, if you're not in the auction, that takes just one more company not in the auction that's not bidding prices up, even though it's going to be really cheap for you to get clicks on your own brand. Um, it can make that much harder for them because Google is going to give you preference in, in um, impression share just because it's your own brand, right? So yeah. if someone wants to rank above you for your brand and you're not there, it's going to be really easy. If you're there and they're going to rank first for your brand, it's going to be really pricey for them. Another great reason. Yeah. Um, what else? Then there's... Uh, depends on what niche you are on. So like I was saying, there's, there's, there's some... So for example... Uh, no one's gonna be on Nike, on Nike as a brand, right? But or Nike. Uh, if if you try and I see this a lot in in services, um, so lawyers, tourism. Uh, when there's the, the, the same, so for example, here in Victoria, we have a bunch of uh, whale watching companies, and it depends on the year. Uh, been working on on PPC for uh, for a long, long time. So every year there there might be or there might not be an agreement between the whale watching companies between the cartel of whale watching companies uh, on bidding on each other's terms. And the years that there is not an agreement, it's a free for all kind of thing. And and a, and a less known company might benefit of piggy like you know piggybacking of the. Of the of the big ones here, right? Are there any agreements like this in the D 2 C realm that you know of? Have you? Are, are, well, well, I mean, whale watching is D 2 C, right? Like, yeah, that's true. Just, so that that's kind of and um, Richard, he's not here today, but our our, our technical manager. Um, when we we were working with uh, software security uh, company, uh, kind of like type like the Solar Winds type type yep. thing. Uh, not them, but someone related or similar. Uh, they also used to have an agreement with someone else of everyone not bidding on each other's branded terms. Oh, interesting. So that that can happen, but lawyers do it a lot. Like law firms, big law firms bidding on in each other's terms because you can, you know. How do we handle it with clients? How do we handle bidding on competitors' keywords? So. We don't do it much because bidding on your own terms is smart. Bidding on competitors' keywords depends on the market, like I said, and um, and testing. Like we said, like we always test everything. We we um, someone that's you can poach a client by bidding on a competitor, but one like I said, it's going to be pricey. If the client is savvy, they're going to bid on their branded terms, and it's going to be more pricey. That person has already been convinced somewhere else that this is the brand that they want to purchase. So convincing them on one AdWord click is going to be difficult. And then you just have to test it. So on services, for example, uh, lawyers, we have tried bidding on competitor to keywords and it hasn't been great. Uh, on niche things like software, it works a little bit better. Hmm. I was thinking about that. I was looking at for a SaaS tool the other day and looking at all the different SaaS products that came up. And I was thinking, you know, I could click, I would want to know about these other ones. It's kind of utilitarian, yeah. you know? Yeah, definitely. So it just depends on the market. Um, I would think that for uh, e-commerce, like consumer products, wearables, that kind of thing, I think competitor bidding could uh, sometimes, it's the same thing, it depends on the product. Um, how much name recognition it has. How much name recognition it has. And, and, and if there is, you know, sometimes people want to buy a brand for the brand, not for the actual 
product, right? So that I, I won't say that that's super smart to bid on those kind of brands because people want the brand, they want the logo. Totally. Um, they're not doing it for, for, the, for the problem solving type thing. What other reasons are there that you need to be putting uh, you know, branded bidding into your strategy? So there's there's one more that has a little bit to do with the ad side of things. So and and, and where you're appearing on the page. Um, so yeah, you have an organic listing. Cool. If your SEO is up to date and if your SEO is on point, your listing is going to look good. Uh, but it's still not going to give you all the messaging control you get when you're doing uh, Google Ads tech search with your brand. So first of all, it gives you more options for titles and descriptions. Uh, it's got extensions, and now Google has extensions like image extensions. Styling extensions, promotion extensions, price extensions, a bunch of things that uh, if you're bidding on your brand, first of all, you're going to come up first because it's your brand for a very small price. And then it's going to give you about probably a quarter of that first paint of above the fold um, for you to use all of these extensions. So if you want to showcase products, new products, uh, promotions or prices, people can see all of that on the first paint, right? Um, and you can direct people to where you want them to go. I love that. Instead of them having to like scroll down and... And we still report on how having all these links in, in, in Facebook ads, specifically in Facebook ads, by putting yeah. the links at the end of your ad, you can bump your conversion rates by like 25%. Definitely. Uh, and so I can imagine having that same effect on your, your branded listing. And, and, and like we can't forget that people like things quick uh, and fat, like quick, easy, right? If they have to scroll down a little bit, you might lose them. Yep. So the, the, it's always easy. Like... The quickest they can get to where they want to go, um, it's it's the best the, the best way. And and also like think about it in like uh, the, the 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 user journey. They just saw an ad on Facebook or an ad on YouTube, let's say for example, right? And then they go look for your brand. Then you convince them there. Yeah. So they want to see your brand, and then they go to Google, and and you convince them, let's say with a, a blanket ad on on Facebook of like a video type thing and unboxing, but they didn't really they they saw some of the product but not all of it. Then they go and Google your brand, and then you have all of these different images and different prices, right, for the different products. They might have seen one there, but now they see like oh they have they also have played and they have. Um, uh, woven and, and 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 look at like all of these different photos. We can use it for all of these different things. And and then like okay, well I'll I'll click and go buy something, right? Nice. So that's the other one. I love it. Um, and then finally, and and people don't think about it much, but you know the the, the one thing and and you know people that work in Google Ads know this. <clears throat> you need thirty conversions in thirty days for the algorithm to be able to use automated out, automated bidding in your account, right? Not in one campaign, but in your account. Um, so the first thing is that branded bidding can help you get there faster. You get those 30 conversions and now you can use automated bidding and um, in, in your generic search, in your non-branded search. And then the other one is uh, it also teaches your the system on, on which which person doing the same search, like let's say two people doing the same search, um, let's call it, um, you know, diamond watches. Um, at the same time, one in New York and the other one in Texas, or both in New York, like just, you know, two blocks away, uh, Google will bid or, or, or it will make a better bid for one of them in your in automated bidding. If that person looks more like a person that has bought on branded than the other one. And because it considers that the other one might be either like further down the funnel or it's just a tire kicker 
or might even be, you know, the, the brand owner trying to get their ads to come up, that kind of thing. So, um, it, it actually helps you optimize for your, for your non-branded searches. So that will be the other thing. Um, Train the algo on your yeah. highest intent users who are really searching for your brand. Exactly. Um, so it has a halo effect across the rest of your account. I think so. So this sounds like a, it sounds like a no brainer. I know, I, I understand it must be an uphill a battle with some clients that are like, you know, not wanting to pay extra for this. What do we recommend in terms of like percent of budget or the, I guess, does it depend on how competitive the space is? How does that play out? Usually it doesn't have to be very expensive. So what we've seen is that sometimes, you know, new accounts have come in, into Pilot House and, and because it is branded and, and some um, if you're working with a traditional marketing agency, that kind of thing, um, usually they come with settings on on impression share, right? The, the, the whole, I want to always be first for my brand and I don't want to be outranked for my brand ever and I want to come up every single time. That's also the wrong approach if you want to be performance-based. Uh, usually just by changing that to, <laughs> we just change it to either target ROAS or usually target ROAS, uh, automated bidding and uh, your return on ad spend goes up by sometimes a thousand percent. Like, I don't think it's been less than that. While keeping the same impression share, what happens when you when you go for target impression share on your own brand is Google just takes the liberty to overbid on, on auctions that you don't need to be overbidding. It's, it's your brand, so you don't have to pay too much for it. And then Target Ross also looks for the highest converting users. So that will be the, the main way of doing it, I think. Uh, lots of great insight there about branded search. Let's spend a little bit of time. I had a podcast just yesterday that came out with Simon Wool from Little Spoon, talked about where he's been most bullish on in 2020. He said that non, it's funny, he, he couched uh, it as a non-branded Google ad spend. So in, it's interesting because it assumes that they're already having a good chunk, chunk to protect their brand as we're advocating. But what he's been really scaling, because you're not going to scale the brand protection side very much, he's been massively scaling the other side of it. Are you, are you seeing that now is a great time? Time for Google Ads? Yeah, I mean the whole 2020, right? Like we've uh, we've grown over <laughs> probably 2,000 percent since in, in since the podcast started. I think uh, on the Google Ads side, uh, and yeah, I mean branded should only be like a tiny portion of your um, of your budget. Like I said, you can you can make a thousand bucks from a hundred bucks on branded, probably probably even even more. Um, so you shouldn't be, yeah, if someone is just doing branded, then obviously that's not, it just, it, it's just a, a one element of a, of a sound Google strategy for, for a client. Um, if someone is not doing branded, then okay, you're missing something. You should do it. Um, on, on generic search, you definitely like, I mean, um, that should be the big chunk of your budget always, right? Yeah. Generic generic search uh shopping we keep them together like at bible house usually we, we don't separate branded and and non-branded um there's different schools of thought on this i think you've you've had um i think you've had even people on the podcast talking about separating them by product levels like you know you have first level second level product that kind of thing yeah. we also don't like doing that we've found that just by giving google as much information as possible in one campaign makes that campaign work better um, there are other ways that you can control and lever Google systems so that they don't overspend where they don't need to overspend or, uh, but, uh, giving them more information to, to the system has, has worked better. 
let's talk a little bit about, we, I think we've got an upcoming podcast that we're going to talk a little bit more about a case study that we're currently working on. Um, and, and now we, we have this interesting opportunity to engage uh, with Google. Can we say, yeah, can we, are we allowed to talk about the fact that we're engaging with Google? I think they gave us a go-ahead last time, didn't they? I think so. Anyways, we're engaging with Google with with a with an, a division of theirs where that's specifically focusing on helping companies internationalize their their products and their brands and the incredible opportunity that exists in exploring foreign markets, specifically with Go- the Google Ad Suite. How did you get uh, ca- kind of caught up with it, Saul? Because I know you've kind of championed it internally. Well, I mean, when when you're when when you're a Google partner, um, there are certain programs that you get. Um, Either you get informed and then you have to apply for them, um, or you just get uh, each different agency depending on their level. I think I, I don't really know how they um, how they divide. I think there's different types of um, Google partners and support. Um, I think we're quali- we qualify within the independent agencies space, so we're not one of the big conglomerates, right? So we're more of an independent agency space. Uh, that works with uh, direct to consumer, uh, and within that, they've um, right now. They're, they're, what what we're trying to do is help current or new clients expand internationally and just give them support in other areas that they might not have um, know how or um, experience, so that we can start, you know, ha- helping them sell their products outside of their current. Um, of their current area, more information to come, but yeah. And we've had some success and we won't, we won't give it all up, but what are, you don't say the brand maybe, but say the two places that we've had some success with, like the international efforts that we've had success with, with a North American brand. Well, the Middle East has been great for one of them and then East Asia. So it kind of sounds, you know, you know, like the stereotypical places where people think that there's uh, potential, but yeah, for East Asia and, and the Middle East have been, have been very good. Eastern Europe as well. Um, some people will think that you know like that it won't be great, but yeah, Eastern Europe has been actually pretty good too. And at a high level, is it profitable right off the bat when you hit these places, or is it is it a slow grind to get there? Do you have to invest a lot before you get to profitability? It is actually pretty good. You know, also what what helps is the the click costs. Click costs can be really really cheap in some of these places, so um, that helps a lot. If you're getting the same conversion rate for like half the click cost and you're still it's the same, same average order value, right? So it's crazy. We, you know, it, being in tech for as long as, as we have, like, you know, uh, technology is such a globalizing force. And so it's hard to, to, to realize how much more it still has to go and how much opportunity there are in global markets, especially with the way the world has kind of flattened in the last like year and a half in a way, right? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> no comment on flat earth from Saul. I said, I said about for that. Well, we'll have to continue the conversation that we were having before. Uh, after what you can hop onto Clubhouse, you can find Saul and I to talk about politics and uh, various things on our Clubhouse channel that we'll start up if I get enough emails from this. But I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today, Saul. Uh, and uh, we'll catch you again once we have this uh, case study to share. All right. Thanks, Eric. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.